I'm your host, Dr. TJ, and with me as always is Aaron. Hi. Very talkative over there. Um, she at least said hi today. What's going on over there? Are you excited? Yeah, very excited about today. I am too. And we've got why? a lot of information to get through. <laughs> we do. And this is going to be another one of those shows. A few weeks back, we made mention that we'd had a bunch of questions regarding thyroid health and, um, you know, different questions that people had asked. And we tried to start lumping the questions together. Um, based on on topics and so the topic that we're going to talk about today with regard to thyroid is we're going to talk about the thyroid and blood sugar and metabolic syndrome we're going to talk about how blood sugar affects thyroid function and then how thyroid affection uh, function affects um blood sugar and if you say affect and function together you get <laughs> affection thyroid affection <laughs> <laughs> that happens i may mess up words it, it i can't help it i'm only american um so according so in the in the last show on thyroid function like i said a few weeks ago we i threw we were talking about how i think that the statistics for the number of people who have thyroid problems is Pitiful. I, I think it's. I think the number is way too low. And we talked to that show that we had a we had a research uh, article that said that 20 million Americans suffered from it. Well, we've got one today from the uh, American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists state that 27 million Americans suffer from thyroid dysfunction. So right there, right off the top, we're we're throwing out two different numbers. I mean, we're off by 33 percent here. Um, half of whom go undiagnosed. So I, I, I really am baffled about this. How many people actually have it but are undiagnosed? How do you know? There's I don't I don't understand that. But there's there is this there's this um, condition known as subclinical hypothyroidism. So this is where you have a TSH that's elevated. So your TSH is out of range, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone. It's a pituitary hormone. It's not actually a thyroid hormone. Um, so it's a brain thing is elevated, but your free T4 is normal. Well, why, why TSH and free T4? Because that's what conventional medicine looks at. That's the only thing they look at when they tell you that they're going to do a thyroid panel. They don't look at all 10 pieces of the thyroid puzzle like you're supposed to, like a good doctor's supposed to. Um, they just check the two. Um, and so what they, what, what goes on with that is subclinical may affect an additional 24 million Americans. So if you put those two together, you have over 50 million Americans that are that have some sort of thyroid disorder, um, either clinical or subclinical thyroid dysfunction. That's a little more into my realm of what I think, actually, uh, of the population that has thyroid dysfunction. I think that it's it's closer to between, you know, maybe 50 to 100 million people. I think that many people definitely have thyroid. I just, I just do. I just, there's just this, there are too many people that come to our clinic that have thyroid dysfunction to be able to say that, no, it's not. I mean, we have, our, granted, I get our population in our clinic is, is a sicker population than, than maybe what's walking around but as, as normal function. But we don't just see it in people that are coming in sick. I mean, right. we get so many people who are healthy, healthy. and they want to stay healthy, and then we find out that they've got the thyroid problems. Right. So we also said we were going to talk about metabolic syndrome today. So let's let's get some information about metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome 
is we'll define it really quickly and we'll come back and we'll probably talk about this definition again so you don't forget it's a it's a group of metabolic risk factors that all kind of appear together and you only have to have like three or four of these things to to actually be considered metabolic syndrome um there's abdominal obesity high cholesterol and triglycerides high blood pressure insulin resistance a tendency to form blood clots and overall body inflammation so these things are all a group of risk factors that can make up someone having metabolic syndrome. So metabolic syndrome affects like 50 million Americans. And insulin resistance, which is one of the components of of metabolic syndrome, affects up to 105 million Americans. Okay, now we're getting more to it. Just insulin resistance, we're throwing in 33 to-ish percent. It's about a third of of the American population has some sort of of insulin resistance. I mean that's that's a lot of folks. So I this is why I think there's way more people that have thyroid dysfunction um than 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 what the researchers are out there saying with this 20 million number. I, I there's just it's just no way possible. It just doesn't work that way. Physiologically, if you have an insulin problem, you're likely going to have a thyroid problem. So if we have this many people that have insulin problems, we're likely going to have really close to that many people that have thyroid problems. And that's what we're going to get into and we're going to talk about today. So metabolic um, syndrome, this is an interesting one. Metabolic syndrome is so common that there are various researchers out there that have actually predicted that metabolic syndrome could bankrupt our healthcare system if we continue the rate of spending and the the costs um um, growth, the growth of the increase in costs of healthcare throughout. And I just read an article not too long ago um, in in England. I think it was England is really starting to panic because they have a universal healthcare system, and their obesity rate has caught up to that of the United States. And so yikes. this, yeah, <laughs> yikes is right. They're at sixty five percent. And, and the United States is at 66% or vice versa, I forget, but it's two-thirds. Two-thirds of the, of the countries, both countries, are, are overweight uh, or obese. And they are already discussing one of every four healthcare dollars is, is being spent to combat just being obese, being overweight. So you take into consideration, they're, they're telling everyone now over there, look, this is, we're going to not have enough money for our healthcare to, if we keep this trend, we're going to have to do everything we can to get people to lose weight. Um, because they already know that it's going to bankrupt their system, which is a universal payer system. Right. Which so. is what we've been saying all along. We've got to fix this problem or it's going, I mean, it's getting out of control. Yes. And so then if we if we go back, shifting gears back to this, metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance are both risk factors for heart disease and and diabetes. Not just one or the other, but both. And they're two of the leading causes of death in the developed world. Now, you have to take out some of the the developing and underdeveloped countries that's it's the numbers aren't the same there but if you take the developed nations heart disease and diabetes are always two of the leading causes they're going to be in the top 10 in the united states heart disease is number one it's just that's just where it is and so this is just a massive massive undertaking for our healthcare system that is already broken right so with the high rate of thyroid dysfunction and metabolic syndrome, it seems like there might be a connection. There exactly is a connection. And 
we're going to talk about that today. We're going to get into, you know, why is it that one affects the other and vice versa? Right. So if you are listening to this and you are thinking, I don't have a thyroid problem, but you have diabetes or you have heart disease or you are overweight right <laughs> or it, yeah you know you have inflammation and you've got these other risk factors um you, or, you or, need to pay or blood pr- high blood pressure high blood pressure a lot of people don't equate high blood pressure with heart disease they're like well i don't have heart disease but i have high blood pressure oh no you have heart disease if you have high blood pressure right. it's all the same thing yeah that's classified together if you've um, got issues with cholesterol you know yeah. you need to be paying attention yeah you got to pay attention there, there are things that can be done that are you know at least first steps in helping you regain control of your health because that's what we're all about common sense science-based health care we are there to help people regain control of their health that has been taken from them right we want to educate you and let you know what's actually going on and then guide you and give you you know give you the tools and resources to get your life back to you know where you want it to be right because i mean think about it for those of you out there who think, well, I'm, I'm in control of, of me. It's America. It's a free country. I get, I get to do what I want. Well, that's only kind of true. How many times have you gone to a doctor and your doctor tells you, oh, well, you have this and this is what you have to do? Did they give you a choice? Did they talk to you about, you know, all the options that were available out there for that thing? How many people, I mean, how many times have we had people come in and say, I don't want to take this cholesterol lowering drug and right. my doctor let me stay off of it for a visit or two but my cholesterol is still a little elevated and now they're telling me you know they're like pushing harder and harder each time right. i mean so you may technically have a choice i mean no one's gonna like put it down your throat for you but i mean at the same time you're forced into one direction no one's telling you Hey, there are other ways to control your cholesterol. Right. Or they go home and they're like, well, if you're going to do that, you just got to go home and eat healthy. Right. Because that helps. Because, yeah. And they, they don't tell you what healthy means because you already think you're eating healthy. Because if, you know, if you if you poll the American population, most people that, you know, that they think they're eating healthy, even people who are obviously overweight and have health issues, you can tell by looking at them, wait, something is is not right here. They will tell you, oh, no, I eat healthy. And you know what? Sometimes I believe them. Sometimes I don't, um, because sometimes people have other issues that are going on that are below the surface that they can't really understand. They're dieting, they're exercising, and they're not losing weight, and they yeah, can't figure out we why. definitely do see people who are eating healthy yeah. and still have these issues, and we're like, all right, we right. need to change them. So, some of these people are, are, are you know, we've we know we it's like oh well this is you know so and so's family member and i we've known them for all of our lives and i know this person and the next thing you know we're like okay well has anybody looked into this or this or this or this and the answer is always no and we start figuring out okay well maybe this is why you're having such trouble and you're so frustrated all the time because all people do is they get frustrated if they're not able to lose weight they get frustrated and just throw in the towel and think well i'm just i'm just you know my genetics tell me I'm going to be I'm just going to be overweight and they they just give up at that point right. and that's the worst thing that you can do is is just completely give up because there are things there are answers out there you just haven't found them yet. Right. Well, and we've talked about this before on shows about weight loss. There are so many you know issues that go along with obesity that it is a it is something that definitely has to be addressed and unfortunately we as a nation, put so much shame on it yep. that people do tend to give up or they'll blame themselves for not doing, you know, not having better willpower when we're like, no, there are actually physiological reasons right. <laughs> why you're having an issue with this. Right. So 
I mean, this is just one of those things. I mean, there are studies out there that show that there are an increased frequency of thyroid disorders in diabetics. And there's a higher prevalence of obesity and metabolic syndrome in people with thyroid disorders. This, this is going both directions. So that right there, and we talked in the, in the show a, a few weeks ago, we talked about all of the metabolic things that thyroid hormone affects, all the different things, all the different organ systems that thyroid hormone, that thyroid hormone um, uh, acts on, and all the different symptomatology that could come with having a dysfunctional thyroid. I mean, thyroid, healthy thyroid function depends on keeping your blood sugar in a normal range and keeping your blood sugar in a normal range depends on healthy thyroid function. It works. It's a two-way street. It goes both directions. And that's why you feel like you're in a circular pattern a lot of times if you're having these issues. Right. Because one acts on the other and the other, you know, I mean, they're acting on each other. Right. So we've got to take a quick break. But when we come back, we are going to get into how high blood sugar Having too high of blood sugar can actually affect the thyroid. You're listening to Wellness 101. If you're just tuning in today, we're talking about thyroid, blood sugar, and metabolic syndrome. We're going to get into how the thyroid affects your blood sugar, how your blood sugar affects your thyroid, etc., etc., etc. So right before the break, we I said that we were when we came back that we were going to talk about how high blood sugar affects the thyroid because high blood sugar affects the thyroid, low blood sugar affects the thyroid, and thyroid affects blood sugar. And we're going to talk about all of that today. Um, and so how does high blood sugar affect the thyroid? So we, we mentioned earlier about metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome is a group of metabolic risk factors that kind of cluster together. Um, If you have three of these, you can technically be diagnosed with metabolic syndrome. And those things are abdominal obesity, high cholesterol and triglycerides, high blood pressure, insulin resistance, having a tendency to form clots, and inflammation. Now, metabolic syndrome is caused by chronic hyperglycemia, meaning high blood sugar. So if you have chronic high blood sugar, that's that's what gets you in trouble and can can get you metabolic syndrome. So chronic hyperglycemia is technically caused by eating way too many carbohydrates. So I want to take a minute. I, I think I've done this on the show before, but if, if not, I'm going to take a second here. So what is a carbohydrate? A lot of people... I think could could benefit from this. So we have we have different types of food. So all food basically falls into a, one of three categories. It's either a protein, a fat, or a carbohydrate. So for all intents and purposes of this class, the, and I say class because if you remember Wellness 101, we set this up as a class. It's a learning experience. So protein would be meats. That's what we're referring to when we're talking about protein. We're talking about meat. Fat, for all intents and purposes, is fat on that meat. I do understand that things like, um, you know, olive oil and avocado oil, the ghee, those things are fats as well. Completely understand that. That is, you're right, that is a fat, but an avocado is not a fat. Um, just right. the avocado we oil is. We also get that proteins can come different places from meats, but that's right. the easiest way to the think about it. The easiest way to think about it because the bioavailability in anything other than a meat form is way lower than it is in the form in the form of meat. Right. And then a carbohydrate is everything else. So we have meat, fat on that meat, and then everything else is a carbohydrate. Fruit is carbohydrate. Vegetables are a carbohydrate. Every other food that you can think of pretty much is a carbohydrate. 
So that means that if you're eating way too many carbohydrates, that is that can get you metabolic syndrome. And we've actually seen this. I've actually seen in our clinic people who are vegetarians. Vegetarians traditionally do not eat meat. That's once in a while you can have some vegetarians that, you know, may eat eggs or eat fish or maybe chicken. Um, but vegetarians and or vegans, they're they're not typically eating meat. And we actually have seen metabolic syndrome in these individuals who think they are being ridiculously healthy by not by choosing not to eat meat. And they can create other other problems, especially things like that come along with eating way too many carbohydrates in their diet. So right. it's actually quite common in people who are vegetarian and vegan is um, because a lot of times if you aren't extremely diligent with it, you're going to fall back on carbohydrates. Right. Because you're taking away one of the huge sources of, you know, of protein, which is going to not eat not only the building block, but I mean, that is going to keep you full. Yeah, that's right. So. When you eat too many carbohydrates, the pancreas secretes this hormone insulin, and insulin is there to help your body transport sugar, the glucose, from the blood into the cells, where then you use the glucose to to help you produce energy. But as time persists, the cells lose the ability to respond to insulin. If you're constantly eating carbohydrates and you're constantly causing your pancreas to secrete insulin, eventually your cells stop responding to that level of insulin and your body responds by saying, wait, we're not, we're, we're, we obviously don't have enough insulin because we're not able to lower this blood sugar. Let's make more insulin. So your body makes more insulin, right? So it's like it's kind of like if you're if if insulin's knocking on the door, but the cells don't answer the door, your body has to say, okay, we need to lo- knock louder. Let's throw more insulin out there so we can knock louder. And that's just an effort of the body. It's its own built-in mechanism to get glucose into the cells so it can be used by by the cells for energy. This is what is known as insulin resistance. Your body is becoming resistant to the level of insulin that you make. So you start having higher and higher and higher insulin levels. And I mean, I can't tell you how many diabetics come into our office that have never, ever had their insulin level checked. It's never. Crazy. I'm like, where's your, you know, they, they ran your hemoglobin A1C. And right. if, you're, if you're diabetic, you understand that number. If you're not, you will eventually. Um, we'll talk about it in the, on another show. I'm not going to get it into a too, in too much detail this time. But they'll have that number, but they won't have an insulin level. Insulin, they'll have that number checked a number of times. Yeah. I mean, they'll... But insulin is the very first thing that moves if you have metabolic syndrome. If you have a problem, insulin is going to jump first. It's the first thing to respond. Your blood, sugar's, your blood sugar is going up and it may or may not, you know, if you're checking fasting blood sugar all the time, well, your fasting blood sugar is not necessarily going to be high, but boy, your insulin sure could be high. Um, there, there are reasons that, you know, for this, there are physiologic reasons that are taking place. So what research studies have shown is that when you have repeated insulin surges, which is a very common thing in insulin resistance, your body's just pumping this insulin. And then the next thing you know, it's pumping more insulin, it's pumping more insulin. That increases, that insulin resistance causes an increase in the destruction of the thyroid gland if you have autoimmune thyroid. And we've already said in previous shows and this show that, that, hypothyroidism, low thyroid function is 90% of the time an autoimmune thyroid problem. So if you have low functioning thyroid, you likely have an autoimmune disease. 
So if you have an increased level of insulin, you are increasing the rate at which your your body is trying to destroy your thyroid gland. And as the thyroid gland is destroyed, your actual production of thyroid hormone drops. And that is how high blood sugar affects the thyroid. I was waiting on some applause. There yeah. was nothing. This is dead size. Crickets. Crickets. Got crickets. So I, that is, that's extremely important for a lot of people to understand. This is one of the things that I go through when someone comes into the, to the clinic, to the institute, and they're asking you know, questions about thyroid function. This is something that we go through and we discuss with them and talk to them about, okay, this is why this stuff matters. This is why we have to get it, you know, why you need to know your, your blood sugar numbers uh, because it, it, it has an effect on your thyroid. Because most people that have low-functioning thyroid, they don't even know that they have to pay attention to their blood sugar, that they should be monitoring their own blood sugar levels, that they should be regularly having their insulin levels checked. They just don't know. So that is how high blood sugar affects the thyroid. Now, let's switch gears and let's talk about how low blood sugar affects the thyroid because high blood sugar can affect it, so too can low. So, you know, both can weaken weaken thyroid function. So your body is basically programmed to recognize low blood sugar. It's when it does, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a it's a threat to being alive. We have to survive. So we're constantly looking at at, at low at low blood sugar. And for those of you out there who are, are diabetic or for many of you who may know someone who's diabetic, they get into trouble when their blood sugar goes low. And you've I mean I'm sure that you've seen this. Somebody's blood sugar goes way too low. They have problems. Right. I mean, in extreme cases, seizures, yes. coma, even death. Even if death. They're, if it goes way yeah. too low. But what they don't have problems with often is when it goes too high. Now, there is a limit. You know, if your blood sugar gets to 700 or 1,000, okay, yeah, that's too high. You're going to have issues there, too. But most people don't have a problem when their blood sugar's at 300 if they're diabetic or 400 or 500. I mean, we've had people come in with average blood sugars based on their hemoglobin and A1C numbers, having average blood sugars in the 350 to 400 range. And they just function just like it's normal average every day. But if their blood sugar drops to like 100, they feel like they're, they're you know, losing it because they're not used to having a blood sugar that low. The body senses this low, this drop in blood sugar as a threat to survival. So what it does in response is... It causes your adrenal glands to secrete a hormone called cortisol. And I think we've talked about adrenal glands on here before. Your adrenal glands are extremely important. They make most all of your hormones. And cortisol is the stress hormone. Well, of course, a, a, a threat to your own survival is obviously a stressor. And so your body will pump this cortisol out really, really quickly. And when it does, cortisol is just telling your liver to to evacuate more glucose to get those blood sugars back up to normal. So you're if you're in that situation where your blood sugar drops, your body's natural response is to call, tell your adrenal glands, hey, we need more cortisol so we can tell our liver to make more um, glucose to release that, that stored up blood sugar or stored up sugar in our liver into our blood so we can get those blood sugar levels back to normal. All right. Then the problem with that is that cortisol is is also a sympathetic nervous system hormone. This thing is directly involved in the fight or flight response. And that is where we're going to 
pause just a minute to take a break. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how cortisol is involved with the sympathetic nervous system and the fight or flight response and how that has a tremendous effect on your body. You're listening to Wellness 101. We're talking today about thyroid, blood sugar, and metabolic syndrome. We're talking about how thyroid function affects blood sugar levels and blood sugar levels affect thyroid function and how it all revolves around this condition um, known as metabolic syndrome. Right before the break, we were talking about how low blood sugar affects the thyroid. And in particular, we were talking about um, cortisol. And cortisol is a sympathetic nervous system hormone. Um, it's involved in the fight or flight response. And this response causes, when this happens, what happens in the body is you get an increased heart rate, you get an increase in lung action. So that means your lungs will take in more oxygen, they'll hold more air. Um, and then you'll have a massive increase in blood flow to the skeletal muscles. That's basically helping us either fight off whatever's trying to get us or run from whatever's trying to get us. That's the whole fight or flight response. But on the flip side of that, what it's doing, it's it's increasing blood flow to those areas, but it's taking blood flow from your central organs, things like digestion. Your gut is not not getting organs. It, it's long-term effects. It's going to affect um, growth and reproduction if you have massive amounts of cortisol all the time. Um, it's, it also will help the, help the, help the body, um, uh, if it helps, I'm I'm kind of lost my train of thought there. It, it helps increase the amount of glucose available. So the whole point of cortisol is just to make sure that the liver dumps blood sugar out. So our brain actually has enough fuel to gather the information that's coming in and then make the appropriate response, whether that's to run away or fight. And it's I didn't real, help you there because you're way over my head. <laughs> she, she actually kind of pointed and, and chuckled at me there. I it's wasn't okay. laughing. I'm just like, she's, I don't know, she's what, laughing. I don't know where we go after that. That's, like, that's laughter in her voice. You can hear it. Um, she's actually laughing out loud. Um, no, that's just, it's all you at this point. So that's the, that's, that's what happens with cortisol. So, for, for people who have low blood sugar, for hypoglycemics, repeated cortisol release caused by the, these episodes of, of having low blood sugar over and over and over again, in the long run, that causes our pituitary function to drop, okay? Now, we talked in the other thyroid, one of the other thyroid shows about TSH. TSH is a pituitary hormone. TSH is the, is the hormone that comes from the pituitary and tells the thyroid to make more or make less thyroid hormone. So if increased amounts of cortisol are affecting our pituitary, of course they're going to affect our level of TSH. So they're directly going to affect thyroid function, right? Let that sink in for just a second. Cortisol will directly affect thyroid function because it's affecting the pituitary gland. This is how you end up with, this is just one example. This is how you end up with thyroid function affecting so many different parts of the body and how all these loops are feeding back on each other. That's why you need somebody in your corner that understands what in the world is actually going on if you're dealing with a thyroid issue or if you're dealing with a bunch of symptoms that don't seem to have any common thread and you're like, I don't understand why I have all these gut problems. I don't understand why I'm depressed. I don't understand why I can't go out in the cold. I don't understand why, you know, I, I have heart disease. I don't understand why my blood sugar is all off. 
this is part of the reason is tying this thread that this common thread is all thyroid function. It, it has such a massive effect on the body. So in the law, in the, in, to, to summarize between high blood sugar and low blood sugar. So high blood sugar and low blood sugar are, if you have either, it's referred to as this term called dysglycemia, meaning just, it's just not right functioning. So if you're, if you have hyperglycemia or high blood sugar or hypoglycemia or blo- low blood sugar, that just means that you're dysglycemic, meaning that you have blood sugar dysregulation problems, right? doesn't matter if it's high or low, you're going to affect thyroid function, right? So dysglycemia in as a, in general, so whether it's high or low, does things like weakening the immune, uh, the gut, it, it, inflames the gut it causes lung and brain issues we have imbalanced hormone levels your adrenal glands become exhausted because they try to pump out cortisol all the time right and we did you know a entire series on adrenal fatigue so we know how important that is right a a large series three or four parts to adrenal fatigue it affects your detoxification pathways your body's not able to to detoxify things and i mean just in general overall it affects your metabolism just it's just going to have this overall effect on you so all of these things all of that affects the thyroid function so as long as you have a blood sugar handling issue a dysglycemic thing going on you've got to do whatever you can do to fix your thyroid it's not going to work you've got to fix the blood sugar too you can't fix one without fixing the other you have to address both right so how does low thyroid function affect blood sugar? So if your right, thyroid because we said it goes both ways. It goes both ways. So we talked about how blood sugar, both high and low, affect the thyroid. So how does low thyroid function affect blood sugar? So low low thyroid function can cause dysglycemia and it can cause metabolic syndrome. It can do this uh, different ways. It can slow down how well we're able to get insulin out of our blood. It can slow down how well our body actually responds to insulin. And it can decrease the rate at which we absorb glucose or sugar in our gut. So these things typically present clinically. So if someone comes into the office, oftentimes what we're looking at is a hypoglycemic or a low blood sugar event. Um, So when you're you're hypothyroid, your cells aren't very sensitive to, to glucose. So you have normal levels of glucose in your blood. You have the symptoms of hypoglycemia. You have things like fatigue, hunger. You're hungry. You eat, and then an hour or two later, you're you're hungry again. Um, you have headaches. You're irritable. All of these. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have this sort of stuff going on. And since your cells aren't getting the blood sugar that they need, your adrenals pump out cortisol to increase the amount of of glucose that you have available. Right. I mean, I hope you're seeing that. I. It just seems like I'm talking in circles because I kind of am. That's exactly what your body is. It's a system of loops and circles. Right. And these things all come back on themselves. They're all connected and they're all hooked together and they all matter. Right. So this is when this happens long term, what you're left with is just just massive chronic stress response that decreases thyroid function. Right. So. It works both ways. Blood sugar up or down affects thyroid function. Thyroid function up or down affects blood sugar levels. 
Right. You have to fix both of them. You've got to look at the big picture. And generally, that's not what happens in conventional medicine. You know, if you've got a blood sugar issue, they'll work on that. They'll give you a pill for it. And that's what they address. If you have thyroid, then they'll address, you know, give you a pill for thyroid. But they're not looking at both of them together generally until one of, you know, until they're both so completely out of whack that they can't ignore it. Right. But why not address it before it gets to that point when we know that they have such an effect on each other. Right. So how do you how do you work on keeping your blood sugar in a, quote, healthy range? Okay. Right, because this is huge for thyroid function. Right. This is huge for thyroid function. And this is, these are steps that you can take at home. These, these are things that you can start doing. This isn't going to get you 100% of the way there. Because the first thing in this is you really need to understand whether you actually have high blood sugar or low blood sugar. I can't tell you how many people come in and they say, oh, I'm hypoglycemic. And then we check their blood and they're not hypoglycemic. They're the exact opposite of that. Their blood sugar is way too high. And... Or vice versa. We have people that come in like, my blood sugar is, is too high. And actually, it's not. It's way too low. There, You can't guess this. You have to actually test. Like everything else that we talk about on here, if you don't actually run the test, you don't know. You have no clue. And this is something that you can't guess at because you've got to get this stuff right. If you don't, you're going to drive the wrong way. You're going to drive your car in the wrong direction trying thinking that you're getting healthy. Right. And you're going to get farther away yes. from your goal of getting healthy. So how, how do we do this? So, you know, we're, we're, there's, this, there's this thing out there called re- reactive hypoglycemia. And that's when your body um, secretes a bunch of insulin after you've eaten a, a meal that has a lot of carbohydrates in it. And when it over secretes this insulin, then that causes a, a rebound effect. It causes your blood sugar to drop too low, um, below what's normal. So how, how we deal with that is we have to... F- Figure out and make sure that your blood sugar stays in a healthy range. Um, there are a couple of things that we've got to consider. We got to figure consider a fasting glucose. So you got to know what your blood sugar is as soon as you wake up. Haven't eaten anything for for a few hours, um, at least eight to ten of them, um, and then we need to know like after you eat one and two hours after you eat, what is your blood sugar doing? If if you wake up in the morning fasting, your blood sugar needs to be the the ranges that a lot of people will give you is somewhere between 75 and 85. We I tell people, you know, stay in that range because yeah, maybe 85 is where you want to be, but you your normal may actually be 92. Okay, fine, we can work with that. But we need to know that. And then we need to know what's going on with your blood sugar a couple hours later. So you're going to have to test this stuff. You're going to have to have the equipment on hand to test this. And we've got to take another break, but when we come back, we're going to we're going to finish up by talking about the things that you can actually do to help keep your blood sugar in a healthy range. You're listening to Wellness 101. Um, today, we've been talking about thyroid, blood sugar, and metabolic syndrome and how thyroid affects blood sugar and how blood sugar affects thyroid. And we're going to finish out the show today by talking about how to keep your blood sugar in a healthy range. And before the break, I was talking about there's a couple numbers that you need to know. You need to know what your fasting blood sugar is. So what's your blood sugar when you first wake up in the morning without eating or drinking anything and not having any food in your in your system for 8 to 10 hours? And then you also need to know what your postprandial your, or your after-meal blood sugar becomes. Um, and that's taken traditionally at 1 to 2 hours afterwards. It just kind of depends on on you know, what you have going on. There's, there's reasons why you would do one. There's reasons why you would do two. Um, 
and we're not I'm not getting into that. So for the most part, if you just check at one and two hours, you're going to have you're, what you're going to see is this nice curve of blood sugar going up and coming back down. So we define normal fasting blood sugar is somewhere between 75 and, and 95. Um, typically, we tell people to shoot for 85. That's what we're looking for. If you're lower than that, we've got to figure out ways for your fasting blood sugar to be a little higher. If you're higher than that, we try to figure out ways that your fasting blood sugar can be a little lower. But also, those numbers could just be where you live, and that's just who you are. Right. And if you're testing at a normal, um, you know, fairly frequently, you'll kind of learn, okay, this is where I'm staying, because it will jump up sometimes and also lower at times. Um, So you might have some days where you're at 78 and other times when you're at, you know, 98 or something. And if that's going on, you have food sensitivities and you need to have that checked. Right. That's why it's good. Because it's having a massive difference in your blood sugar while you're sleeping. So this is why we need to always test these things because if we don't know, we have no, I mean, you know, there's no reason to have a suspicion that you need to have additional testing. Right. So what your blood sugar should, should do after you eat is it should go up no more than 30 points. If it's going up more than 30 points, you have dysglycemia. You have a problem with blood sugar. So if your fasting blood sugar was 85, your one to two hour blood sugar should never be higher than 115. If it is, there are reasons. You have to figure out why that's going on. But what's happening for certain is dysglycemia. Your blood sugar handling ability is off. You know, you it may be significantly lower. I mean, if you eat a meal and your fasting blood sugar is 85, and an hour later you check and your fasting blood sugar is back at 85, that's not necessarily a good thing either. Just like if you check it and it's 85 fasting and then it's 140 an hour after that meal, you've got an issue there too um, because that's jumping way too high. We've got to figure out what's going on and help you bring that down. That could be changing up what you're eating. You may be eating way too many carbohydrates. You may be eating foods that that you're sensitive to. You may be need to get more fat or protein in your diet, um, which are oftentimes the case. Um, When in doubt, add more protein, add more fat. Right. Decrease your carbs. Decrease carbs. (laughs) Carbohydrates are problematic. Um, And and, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a diabetic, you Regardless of what anyone tells you, stop eating. Stop eating uh, fruit. It's a, a it's a problem for you because it's affecting insulin. It doesn't affect your blood sugar, but it definitely affects your insulin levels. Um, so you've got to get a get yourself. What are what do you need for this? You've got to have a blood sugar monitor. You got to have a meter, and you need to have um, testing strips. You can go to the Walgreens or or you know. It, basically any pharmacy and pick yourself up a test meter. You can, you can buy yourself some test strips and you can test this stuff. You just prick your finger, check the blood. It'll give you a nice, uh, it'll give you a nice number. Um, and then that's what you use to track and you write this stuff out and that's how you start figuring out, okay, do I have blood sugar handling issues? Because if I have a blood sugar handling issue, I have a thyroid problem. That's what you need to tell yourself. If I have a blood sugar handling issue, I have a thyroid problem. And if you have a thyroid problem, you need to go ahead and take the time and check your blood sugar levels, um, fasting blood sugar, and then uh, your your postprandial blood sugar and see, okay, I have a thyroid problem. Do I also have a blood sugar problem? Because remember, we said all of these issues go both ways and you need to know it's extremely important. So if your blood sugar jumps after a meal and it goes way too high, we have to figure out, okay, how many carbohydrates are you eating? Do you, how can, how can we get 
less carbohydrates on your plate and more protein and more fat. Those are usually relatively relatively simple things to do. Um, it, it's just a matter of, okay, you being diligent enough to see, you know, to, to take responsibility for your own health and 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 do that just measuring yourself i mean yeah it's a little painful when you have to stick yourself with a with a uh, finger stick to, but it's to get not the blood bad it's so ridiculous when i hear people say like oh you know well i don't want to stick my finger i mean i had to do that through my entire pregnancy because of the autoimmune condition we had to make sure that my blood sugar was staying normal and it I so I personally know I was doing it all the time. It is not a huge deal. And so I mean it just that's it's such a small price to pay to know that you're in the right range. That's exactly right. I mean they, we've had I can't tell you how many patients have come in and you know they they find out that they or they they think they have a thyroid issue and really what they don't quite have a thyroid issue just yet, but boy their blood sugar handling is is a big problem. And so we we get on that and we actually can watch their thyroid numbers, even though they weren't outside of range, we actually watch their thyroid numbers become even more optimal. They become more normalized. And we point that out to them and we say, look, you know, by coming in here when you did and figuring out what you had going on and addressing those issues, you made yourself 100% of yourself healthier because you effectively changed your thyroid's function. Well, and that's why it's so important for people to come in before they get to the point where they know there's a huge problem. I mean, of course, we help people like that all the time. That's, the, you know, I mean, we have got tons of people who come into the clinic because nobody can figure out what's wrong with them. And we are able to do that. But it's great when we have people that come in and they overall, you know, believe overall that they're healthy or they're having slight issues. Because I get that that it's difficult to go outside of the normal medical system when you don't have anything major going on. But it's so great to see these people because if you are fairly healthy and maybe have a couple of minor issues, we can fix those very quickly. Or we can look at you know where you're at now and make sure that you stay as healthy as you are at that point. Right. More often than not, the the comments that we get are things like, well, I wish I would have found you guys a year ago exactly. or two years ago or where have I you been? I wish I would have actually come in yeah. a year or two ago. I wish I would have actually come in. That's another one. Because they listened to us for a long time. And, and sent us emails mm-hmm. and called and Facebook message. And, and then they finally show up a year or year and a half later and you're like, okay, I'm glad you're here. But this is where you are now, and we know where you were because you had lab work that said things were not quite right, right, and you were trying to figure it all out. But they're like, well, I didn't think I was that sick. Right. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. And then that's the day. they One day they woke up, and the and the Mack truck had hit them, and that's when they decided, you know what? I need the help. Or they um, finally just said, you know what? Like, now's the day, because there right. comes a point in all of our lives where we have to say, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for this, and if things aren't ideal— you're the only person who can take the step to actually make it better. That's right. We can help you once you're in the office. We can't do it before that. Right. You know, you've got to make the decision for right. yourself. I can't I can't help you if you're not if you're not in there, you know, actively seeking help. You right. know, you, you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. Or yeah. giving us a call cuz right. yeah. So that is thyroid, blood sugar and metabolic syndrome and how blood sugar affects thyroid, how Thyroid affects blood sugar, and then basically 
a, a few shows ago or whenever it was that we did the other the other thyroid talk, how all of this stuff affects every single function in the human body. It's all tied together. It's all one big one big web of of things that's going on that if if you just take the steps to get a handle on it, you'd be amazed at what you can do and what you'd accomplish and how much better you can feel. So if you need to get in touch with us, feel free, shoot us an email, go to our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com, find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram. We're we're posting stuff on there on a on a fairly regular basis. Um, feel free to give us a call, 314-293-8123. We love to hear from you. Um, for Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening.